You're listening to Trek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole where guests from all over the internet plus hosts from the network get together to talk about all things geeky here on Trek FM. That's right, we don't talk about Star Trek stuff here, we just talk about everything else that's going on in the geek world and, you know, I gotta say, it's 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 great to be back. Um, I am wearing my official Trek FM gear from Redbubble. I've got my Word Cloud shirt on, which I wore to the 602 Club because it gets you 50% off drinks from Ruby. So check that out on Redbubble, the Trek FM store. You'll you'll love the stuff. But it's the beginning of the gear, and I kind of look forward to this every year because that means that it's time to talk about some Doctor Who. And that means as well for you, if you've listened to this show long enough, you know it's also time to have Andy back. Hi, everyone. Hey, Andy. How was uh, the holiday season, New Year? How's everything going? Good, good. And uh, it's uh, it's not quite Christmas without uh, Doctor Who Day. That is true. That is true. I, my wife and I were actually really looking forward to the Doctor Who special, so I'm, I'm so excited that we'll get to talk about that um, together and, and the rest of the season as well, the season nine. Before we do jump into that, going to remind everybody that, uh, as I said, the 602 Club is part of the Trek FM network, and you can find all of our shows at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. You can also find us online at Trek.FM. We have over 20 different shows in the network, special feeds devoted to Star Trek and beyond, not just the new Star Trek film either, too. And so check all of that out. We're at Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We're on Twitter at TrekFM. We're on Instagram under TrekFM. You can find us all over the place. Uh, if you'd like to send us anything um, email-wise, go to Trek.FM slash contact. Just choose a show, The 602 Club, and that'll come right to me. Uh, we've also got a place you can leave a voicemail. I love getting voicemail from listeners. So look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and then join us in the Babel Conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group. It's a great place to have a conversation about anything we're talking about and any of the shows here on the network. So check all of those places out. So Andy, uh, you know, we wrapped up Season 8 with Doctor Who, and I, I think if I remember correctly... We were generally pleased with season eight, um, and we both liked Capaldi as the doctor by the end of the season. So coming into to season nine, uh, did you have any expectations or what you're kind of hoping to see? Not really. Uh, for me, Doctor Who has always been take each episode as itself um, because you can because it the format of the show can like basically reset every episode um you can have one episode that is spectacular and the next episode that can go wah, wah. so i always uh i always take it as it comes and and just hope for the best really yeah you know um i i feel like that i'm semi the same uh in the sense that you know each doctor who episode can be 
you know, with the greatest things that you see in Doctor Who. Or it can be like, eh, you know, or it can just be awful. Uh, and, and uh, you know, sometimes, too, um, seasons have really strong arcs, and sometimes seasons seem more like, you know, a hodgepodge, you know. Uh, and I wasn't really sure where we were going to go with this season. And it's been interesting because, you know, the last few seasons that Moffat did with Smith are so arc driven you know there's a big thread running through each one and you know that it wasn't bad in season eight but I didn't feel like that was as strong I don't know did you really con- connect with a, a main theme for this season at all uh yeah death yeah <laughs> uh I, I mean I, it wasn't exactly subtle now was it no um <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big one. I, I mean, to me, the whole season was basically about running from death and accepting your death and how you move on after death and all sorts of things. And the th- weird thing about it is that's also kind of what last season was about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I saw that one, definitely death in big letters. Also, going against the natural order and how that is bad. Um, how things are not ever what they seem. Mm. Always more complicated than than what you think they are. Uh, yeah, those were the major ones for me. Did I mention death? Yeah, it it's a it's a pretty heavy season, honestly. Um, there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of gregariousness, I, I should say, in this season. Mm-hmm. on a whole uh, you know um it it really is there's a kind of foreboding sense of yeah like something's gonna happen and we all knew it was gonna happen because i i will say this the bbc was terrible about keeping any spoilers for what was going to happen this season uh we all knew claire was leaving um and uh so that wasn't a shocker and i think that that really just kind of almost put like you remember in the Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess it's two, where uh, Jack Sparrow gets the black spot on his hand? Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this was the season of the black spot. Like, every episode, like you said, it just kind of has this foreboding black spot of death, like the stench of death all <laughs> over it. You know what I mean? I, I do. I was also thinking when I was watching it, that it's gotten to the point where it's almost a horror show. Like, mm. it, in previous seasons, you would have funny episodes and you would have sad episodes and you would have scary episodes. It's not like Doctor Who has never been scary before. But it felt like there was so much, like especially the imagery and um, just the tone of it. It was like every episode was trying to scare you. And I, I mean, Doctor Who at its heart is a kid's show in a lot of ways. Not always, but I mean, it's always been kind of one of those shows that people grew up with. And then, I don't know, like I'm trying to picture a nine-year-old me watching this and not being terrified. And I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm trying. I'm looking through the 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 list of episodes, and I'm thinking, you know, the girl who died, 
is is kind of a classic Doctor Who episode with you know the more silly nature to it um, with the Vikings and it's kind of hard to take the Zygon seriously. So, uh, you know, those episodes feel honestly more silly to me. But yeah, when I look at the rest of the episodes, there really is that kind of scary, heavy hand with everything. Well, I mean, even with the girl who died, like, it is still, you do see a, a young woman die. I mean, she comes back. But, um, and she's not they, quite dead. Yeah, not dead yet. Um, but they also squished Vikings into paste. (laughs) Yeah. And with the Zygons, like there is always a certain amount of body horror with the, um, and like, it's a pretty classic horror trope, the body snatcher trope. Um, and you know, Clara turning and suddenly she's not Clara. Where's Clara? Oh, she's in a pod. I mean, that's that's all pretty classic horror tropes. It's just the actual Zygons being giant red sucker people is not super terrifying, at least not to me. But yeah. the the trappings of it are, are pretty classic horror tropes. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And, and Doctor Who has done uh, a lot of that in the past, but... Like you said, usually you kind of have that interspersed with some lighter moments in in the season. I, I'm trying to think, but yeah, even the season where where David Tennant, where you you know you're working towards his end, there's I feel like there's more fun to it than this season. And maybe maybe one of my first impressions watching through the season was just kind of that it kind of lacked a lot of fun. I mean, they tried some fun things, uh, whether it was sonic sunglasses or the doctor playing the guitar, but I, I none of those grabbed me as actually really fun or anything. It just it was kind of more like weird. It, I, I don't know. It just this season just felt very strange to me. I totally dig Johnny Cash Doctor. I'm like totally fine with that. Um, it's more that, I don't know, it, f- it feels like it's kind of gotten into a certain groove and they don't change that up very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas you would have totally, you would have other seasons would go like run the gamut, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, some of this, some of the visual effects are like seriously super, super creepy and scary. Like the, the hand mines. Uh, in the first episode where, you know, have the hands that come out from the mm-hmm. ground with the, the eyes and the hands and then they grab you and pull you into the earth. Like, <laughs> that was so creepy. And I'm a grown woman. <laughs> no, that was uh, a very uh, Guillermo del Toro moment there. Yeah. You know, with the hands, with the eyes. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, you're right. That was super creepy. So... Um. Yeah, it's it's just it was a it really was it was a strange season for me, and I'm still kind of having trouble wrapping my brain around the entire season. Um, it I I haven't had this reaction to a season I think of new Doctor Who since you know I started watching it through you know from Crystal Eccleston on. Um, 
like this. In fact, uh, I would say the closest I came was Matt uh, Smith's seventh season uh, because that one was so odd as well because you had Amy and Roy leaving and then you had Clara coming on and there's this kind of very strange divide of that season. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I personally still had way more fun in a lot of those episodes than I, I can say that I had in, in season nine, which I guess leads me to the question for you. Okay, we have the, the, the different episodes here, and like you said, the first you know, episode of the season, The Magician's Apprentice, it starts off with this kind of strange, very strange thing of the doctor being on this battlefield with this boy, and you're he's surrounded by hands that have eyes, uh, just super creepy, and it goes from there. And so I wanted to kind of ask you, okay, for this season, what were some of the episodes that stood out for you that that you really liked and and it worked for you? And then maybe what were some of the things that episode wise just didn't grab you? Um, I did like the first two episodes for the most part. Uh, there are a couple of reasons. The main number one reason is Missy is still delightful. Uh, mm -hmm. At least she when, is. Like Michelle Gomez, whenever she's on screen and she's talking, I am riveted. Um, so that was that was really fun, and it was kind of fun to see her not so much as an antagonist. So that was cool. Um, and I also, I think we've discussed before that my favorite classic Doctor is actually the first Doctor. Um, mm -hmm. And one of my favorite of his stories is the Daleks, which is the first mm -hmm. the first episode that introduces the Daleks and Scarrow. And it was cool to me the way the throwback that they did to that episode. I mean, from the way it was shot, and the I mean, right down to the way that the uh, the set was designed and the shapes of the doors and stuff. I thought that was all really cool. It was a nice nod to the original series. And, um, yeah, I mean, just in general, I thought those two were fun together. Uh, one thing that I, I did notice that is kind of interesting is they kind of, uh, the episodes all kind of go together. It's yeah. It's like two, yeah. two-part episodes. Um, mm -hmm. So... Those They're all two-parters, too, until uh, you get to the one random, which is the sleep no more. Which I would say is the weakest. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that one. <laughs> um, then I, I do like the girl who died and the woman who lived. I, I liked those. Um, but the real standout for me throughout the whole thing was the Husbands of River Song was the only one that really, really stood out to me as like really good. Everything else was either I enjoyed watching it or I was, it was just, it was fine. Mm. Or it was not great. Yeah. Or you were like, this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. Why am I watching this? Uh, because that's how I felt about Sleep No More. I was just like, I, when the doctor said, I don't even understand this, I was like, if the doctor doesn't understand something in an episode, that means nobody understands what's happening in the episode. I think so. Yeah, I mean, Sleep No More to me kind of highlights all of the major flaws of this season and indeed the flaws of Stephen Moffat as a writer showrunner in that he plays with the narrative structure so much that you don't trust it at all. 
and spend so much time trying to do these weird twists to like trick you that you stop caring. Um, yes. It's just overly complicated and like caring more about plot twists than about the emotion of the characters. Uh, when I when I think of like someone being Moffity, <laughs> that is what I think of. And I think that episode is a perfect, perfect <laughs> example. Occasionally he pulls it off, but more often I get annoyed with how overly complex the storylines are. Um, and I would just, I just, I just want to, I just want to see a story about these awesome characters. Like I don't need you to shock me all the time. And it gets to the point where you're expecting it. Like, well, if they've set this person up as a hero, well, then they're the villain. You know? It, and mm-hmm. in your ve- yep. the very nature of you trying to keep everything unpredictable becomes predictable. Well, and what's funny is that episode is by Mark Gatiss, who is is so wonderfully working on the Sherlock series. Um, and, you know, he plays uh, Mycroft in the series as well. And, and he is a good writer. But I think you're exactly right that that episode is so worried about being clever that it ceases to be clever. Because in the end, really, it's just an episode about sleep morphing into uh, the ring. Um, the, and, and I mean, like the ring that the, the, oh, the, the I, crappy, I know the uh, you know, Samara. Movie. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly what it is. You know, don't watch this, you know, or you're going to be infected. Uh, it's it, it's just... And I think you mentioned something that I think is really important. And I'm, I'm so glad that somebody else verbalized it in a way that I've never been able to get out of myself, which is that it's so overly complicated that you're forgetting about the emotions of the characters so that by the time I'm supposed to feel something for these characters, like Clara, which we'll talk about later, or even the Doctor, I don't. Because there hasn't built enough built into that, I don't think. That's that's how I feel. You know, whereas, you know, just take um, Tennant and Smith and Eccleston, all of them in their early days are written so well that you really care about them and their companions um, because the stories are about them, and then all this weird right. stuff I happens mean, around the them. heart of any good fiction. I don't care what genre it is. I don't care what medium it is. It has to be based on your characters. You can't put your plot over your characters because the reason that we care about the plot is because we care about what's happening to the people that it's happening to, if that makes sense. So this is has always been the problem with Clara is that she's kind of a blank space in the middle of the plot. Yep. Um, they, <laughs> so yeah, they like did, Taylor like, Swift. They did. I never feel like they quite got their groove with her. Um, they did improve her, especially last season. Giving her a life outside of the Doctor was helpful. Um, but she has always, to me, been... Like, in the episode, they need her to be like this for the plot. So she becomes more of a plot device than a character. That's a problem. (laughs) Um, And I almost feel like they were kind of doing that with the Doctor, too. 
And the only reason that you notice it less is because Peter Capaldi is distracting you with his pure awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if your characters are following the plot and the plot isn't following the characters, you've got that backwards. Um, and then it means that any emotional payoff is cheapened. It feels cynical. Mm. Man, well, you are it just, it on feels fire. Because the number of times that they tease the death of either Clara or the Doctor in this season is just immense. It's like every single episode. And I know that that was thematic. I mean, obviously, as I said, death. Um, but it also means that when they actually, like, I, I don't care then. Uh, the stakes disappear. Um, so then when Clara actually leaves, I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> you, know? you can only have your, and I mean, storytelling in general is emotional manipulation. That's what it is. But you don't want to see the yeah. manipulation yeah. happening. You just want to feel it. So in, in this case, yeah. in the case of <laughs> especially these last two seasons, I feel like I'm, I'm like watching them pull the strings. And they're like trying, okay, now you're going to cry. Mm, and yeah. now I'm going to make you laugh. And instead of feeling that, I'm just right. seeing them try to make me feel that. And it makes me sad. Right. It's almost as if you're watching the exactly. puppeteer with the marionette. And instead of watching exactly, the marionette, exactly, you're exactly. watching the puppeteer. And so you're totally missing it. Yeah. Oh, man, I completely agree. A couple of things. One, I does this make the Dr. Taylor Swift... Is the Dr. Taylor Swift where he's just got a I, I blank honestly, space baby and he'll write your name? Dr. Taylor Swift because one thing that Moffat did do a lot this season is make it super, super clear the doctor could be a woman. That would be all. I mean, I'd totally buy <laughs> the Taylor Swift as the doctor. That'd be awesome. Um, and another thing that you, I think you really nailed was that idea of, of watching the marionette instead of the strings. And and I, I was thinking about this because, you know, the latest Star Wars movie, for me, I forgive it because I, I ended up loving the characters. And so the story that they were going through wasn't quite as important. Um, because I've seen that story before. It, it's a new hope. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of the Star Wars tropes all in one thing. And that's not necessarily bad because they were able to create such vivid characters that I wanted to follow them, you know? Uh, and that's the complete opposite of what's happening, I feel like, in Doctor Who in the last couple of seasons is they're so worried about uh, trying to be clever that they forget that it's not about cleverness. It's about heart, you know? Um, and that's what I think, you know, people loved about uh, Doctor Who from from the beginning and and of course what they loved about the the remake you know is is we rebooted it and uh i think back to eccleston and and those seasons have just so much heart and of course david Tennant and then matt smith i mean i i will never not cry when rose leaves and also when amy leaves uh for the last time and and as matt smith is begging her to come back to the TARDIS uh it's just it's heartbreaking like it just because you care about the relationship of the characters and like you said 
here, this whole season is building up towards the 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 death or or the the leaving of Clara, um, and she is still such a blank space. I I don't. I will be completely and bluntly honest. I don't care that she's gone. I really don't. And maybe that just makes me heartless or something. But I I never had a reason to really love Clara. Yeah, and it's really unfair too because Jenna Coleman is a fantastic actress. She's mm-hmm. she's so yeah. I mean, she's a great actress. None of this reflects on her. It's just that they didn't give her much to hold on to. And when they did, when they give her these big emotional moments, they've undercut them already. I mean, yeah. Anyway, but I did want to say something in regards to talking about um, Star Wars and the originality of stories. Stories, I mean, we've been telling stories since (laughs) the beginning of humanity. They are very rarely original. That's not a bad thing. Um, If you're talking like A New Hope, A New Hope is not original, really. It's a very classic hero's journey. I mean, you can trace that back to a lot of different, like, classic literature. That's not what's important. What's important is making your characters feel real. Um, Because we'll watch the same story over and over and over again. We'll hear it told thousands of different ways, and that's all fine as long as we care about the people involved. So, yeah. No, and I think you're right. I mean, I I think what makes... um... What makes things quote unquote feel original is the way that you wrap the story, you know, um, the way that you find a way to kind of spin it or any of those things. And and that's where, as we were talking about with, with what they've been doing with Doctor Who is that they're so worried about the spin or the twist that they're forgetting that it still is about the character first. And where do you want this character to go? What do you want this character to know? What do you want this character to do? You know, um, who do you want this character to be by the end of the season? And I see, I think, I, I feel like watching through all these episodes, I kind of, I get the point of what they're trying to do with this season, which is to teach the Doctor the lesson and this is, I think, the biggest theme overall, is that he needs a companion that is not like him, that is mortal and that is rooted in in the, the temporal world because nothing is temporal for the doctor. But, you know, having that, that difference and that, that whole other perspective keeps him grounded. You know, and when somebody becomes more too much like him, it becomes a very bad thing. And that's, I mean, that's the story we get with Clara, and it's the same story we get with the Shoulder character and Lady Me and and whatever she wants to call herself, me, myself, and I. Um, and so I get the theme of the 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 season, and I see that that's the big get from it. You know, the Doctor needs somebody who's not just like him to keep him uh, who we know is the doctor a more grounded character somebody who has a tie to the universe that he's in because otherwise why should he care you know um and and that's what the companions the best ones i think have always given him whether it's i i think of donna or amy or or um uh, rose you know they give him almost a and this is a weird way to say it, but they give him that humanity, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the companions are supposed to be our surrogate. Um, they're supposed to be us. Um, I do want to say that, that, for me, the biggest theme, besides death, is um, facing things, not running. Uh, not running from your problems, but turning and actually dealing with them. Because a great deal of it is about how the doctor never never deals with the consequences of his actions. He runs from them. And I actually think that that's an amazing theme to explore with the doctor. Um, and they have before. It was actually interesting to me that they brought Davros back for that because... That's one of my favorite moments from the Tenth Doctor is when uh, the Tenth Doctor and Davros are, you know, having a conversation. He's like, he never looks back because he dare not, and that whole um, that whole idea of the reason that he never stops running is because he can't deal with it. Um, so I actually really enjoy that theme. I just don't feel like it was executed as well as it could have been. Well, and, and what was so great is that the episodes that I feel like that really do work, uh, kind of r- coming back around, uh, you know, I feel like the girl who died and the woman who lived, they worked so well because they weren't about the twist. They were about the character, you know, and they were creating this new and interesting character in a shoulder. And then, of course, Lady Me that I thought was really fascinating and something we haven't really seen in a while in Doctor Who, creating a really fun side character um, that you're going to come back to and you're going to use throughout your season and hopefully, you know, in the future too. And so, but it it just, everything that we talked about that was a frustration, those two episodes were really able to, I think, link into. Like, you make it about characters, you know, and... When we were talking about the idea of the doctor and being challenged, you know, the doctor is challenged in that episode, and that's really where one of those themes that I was talking about really comes to life in The Woman Who Lived, where he realizes he can't travel with a shielder once she's, you know, basically immortal because they're too alike and it's not good for him. What he can't see is that him and Clara have become too alike. Uh, and so uh, those two episodes, it's like if we had had more of that throughout the entire season, I, I think I just I would have loved this season a lot more. I feel like if every episode had had those kind of messages and meanings and, you know, playing off on the entire season, oh, gosh, would have been really fantastic uh, because besides the Husbands of River, River Song, those are my two favorite episodes of, of the season, I think. Yeah, me too. I would say those two and, and the first two are the um, the favorites for me. But again, like I said, I, I remember when we had this conversation last year at basically the same time. Last season, I didn't really have a standout episode either. Not one where I was like, that's the one. That's the one that I will rewatch again and again and again. Whereas every other season of Doctor Who, no matter how... Because, I mean, there are some, especially Matt Smith's last season, where it was really up and down. But there were still standout episodes that I would put against any other, you know? Where 
Yeah, well, it helps that he had the 50th anniversary. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's... <laughs> that season. But, I mean, he also had, I mean, for me, I know, I know people don't like it, but, like, Angels in Manhattan, where he lost Amy and Rory. Um, uh, I, yeah, uh, let's not talk about his exit, because it's not very good. Um, but, yeah, there are other standout and interesting episodes that happen during that season. Even the one where, uh, I mean, thinking about it, with, I thought was kind of uh, enjoyable was the one where the doctor stays uh, with the little boxes, and I thought that was funny uh, and interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm really there with you. Um, I thought the one that they tried the hardest, and it works okay. Um, I don't, I don't. It doesn't work as well as they want. Was the heaven sent? where the doctor is locked in his own confession dial. They are really blessed that they have Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few actors that can carry an episode like that. And I don't know that that episode was particularly my favorite, but if you had put a lesser actor in there, I would have fallen asleep, you know? Um, it's it's him that keeps that episode interesting at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, uh, and it is an interesting concept, and I, I think it, the fact that it works in any way, shape, or form is just because Peter Capaldi is a, a great actor. And on the same token, you know, I don't really like the Zygon episodes because I, I they were just, it was it was one of those that I was watching both of them, and I was just so blawed out. And it wasn't till the last like ten minutes of the Zygon Inversion, which is the second one, where Peter Capaldi gives that speech, and it's so the Doctor, and it's like classic Doctor speech. It's like a five minute speech where he's like just ranting and yelling and and telling you like it is and it's it's so good because it capaldi is just beyond brilliant that it's like okay well at least we got this speech uh because that semi redeems this episode because i mean if you just had that speech honestly uh i'd i'd just watch that because it's it's just the one of the best things the doctor has said and done i think in the last two seasons, it's just so good. What did what did you think? And did that stand out to you, Andy? Is something that was uh, that speech or that episode? You? Yeah, that this, just that speech. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a master. Um, I I just I really really like him. I've always really liked him as an actor. I think he's a great doctor. I just um. I just wish that he was getting more interesting stories. Yeah, uh, I do too. I feel like he he's getting interesting moments rather than interesting stories. That, uh, I wow, that is a great way to put it, Andy. I think you're exactly right. Um, and it, it's frustrating because when you get a moment like that with Gabaldi, you see how much this guy has to offer. And he just he they're not they're not giving it to him uh, consistently, and it's frustrating too because they're giving him the moments, but I just don't feel as connected, unfortunately, to his doctor it, it, that I want to say like uh, you know I don't love 
Matt Smith as much as I love uh, Tenet, but it's, you know, what, what, how I came to love the doctor as Matt Smith and how he could win me over and make me feel that he's the doctor and it's not Tenet. You know, he does such a good job of that because of the material they give him. And I like Capaldi. I like him as an actor. I like the moments that he gets, but they're not doing enough, I feel like, to really win me over to him fully. You know, like I can't be as invested because he he hasn't had the consistency of writing, I feel like, to make him the doctor. Does that make sense? Uh, do, do you feel that or, or am I out on a limb by myself? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that in any given scenario, you could predict how the 12th Doctor would react? So if I gave you a hypothetical mm-hmm. scenario, and you, in your mind, put the 12th Doctor in that scenario, do you think you, with in any accuracy, could predict what he would do or say? Uh, that is a great question. I don't feel like I, I know. No, I don't think I could. And now, could you do that with the 10th Doctor? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I could probably do that with David. Yeah, that's that's consistency in yeah. character writing, and I, 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 yeah, and it's a and problem. I understand. Uh, yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing to have the Doctor be more enigmatic uh, as he has been. Oh, absolutely! It's cool to see a different kind mm-hmm. of Doctor. He brings such a different vibe to the to the character, and I don't want a predictable Doctor. That's not what I want. But I do want to have a characterization that is consistent enough that I can point to that doctor and go, right. that's yeah. who he is. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have that as strongly with the 12th doctor as I did with even the 9th, 10th, and 11th. No, I completely agree with you. Especially, you know, I think Chris Eccleston did a great job with that, and the writing there was just so spot on. You know, the same thing with Tennant. And, you know, for some of the issues that I end up having with Smith's storylines, it's not Smith himself or the work they do early to to create him. Uh, that I have any, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fifth season, which is Matt Smith's first season, I really, really oh, like. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. And I think did a lot to cement who he was as a character. So once we got more into the seventh season, which I think is extremely uneven, I still had a sense of who the 11th mm-hmm. Doctor was, yep. which is extremely helpful <laughs> when you're going through un- uh, patches of yes. uneven yes. plot writing. Whereas the 12th Doctor has never had that right. season. Well, and, and it makes it easier to just want to continue to watch because you're in love with the character then by that point, you know? You want to know what happens next right. to this person that you've become attached to. Well, and, and as we've talked about the Doctor and, and some of the things we've said about Clara, you know, they've never given us a reason then to truly gravitate towards the companion here or the doctor himself in the way that we both needed. And, and so I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see what other people have to say. Um, because I, I've listened to some other things about, you know, the doctor who season and some other people's thoughts, but I haven't had, you know, a lot of discussion about it. So I'll be interested to see what people throughout the Babel conference and on Twitter have to say once, you know, this comes out for everyone. So the, 
most interesting thing for me was the fact that they did create this a shielder character uh, or me. Um, I like that she just calls herself me. And I guess when you're the last being other than a doctor at the end of the entire universe, you can just call yourself me. You know, I feel like the end of the universe has to be a pretty crowded place considering how many times they've gone there. <laughs> that is true. They do tend to visit the end of the universe a lot. They did it in Tenet's run and yeah, so... <laughs> it's like the center of the galaxy for Star Trek. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's not even surrounded by a barrier anymore. Um, yeah, everybody can just walk in, waltz in, however they want. Uh, but what did you end up thinking about her? You know, Maisie Williams, obviously very popular because of her uh, work on Game of Thrones and, and very well known. How did you end up liking this new character and somebody who ended up being pretty important throughout this season? I liked her. Um, I certainly see why they cast her. Um, they needed a young actress who could portray young while also being hard. Um, and that's exactly what you need for Arya Stark as well. So um, they definitely cast the right actress for it, especially towards the end when we're supposed to believe that she's, you know, immortal. And she has a kind of world weariness to her and a cynicism that I think works really well for what they were trying to do with her character. Um, yeah, and I definitely like the idea of her being immortal, but not being able to remember everything. Because that's really a huge advantage that the Doctor has, is that he basically, no matter how old he gets, he still remembers his past lives, his past skills, his past stories, all that sort of thing. Um, so I did like that idea of what could be considered like a great gift being actually quite painful and um, the price of immortality. So as a concept, I liked it. Um, I think she does a good job. I would be interested to see her again. I really loved the idea that they thought about what happens if you make a human immortal, but you don't necessarily change anything about human anatomy in that uh, and the thought that if a human being lives for so long their brain can't retain all that information I thought that was really interesting and you know as big as the brain is as a computer and how much it can hold that there is a limit to what it can remember um, that was a really cool idea uh, that's that's great Doctor Who right there where you're creating a character that's just been I feel like so well thought out um, with its conception with what it's going to be and and how it's going to fit into the Doctor Who world and and what's going to make her different than the other immortals that we've seen so I really liked that I do think that Maisie Williams was a great choice especially you know in that woman who lived episode I was really struck by just how well she played against Capaldi and like you said, she's playing somebody who's hard and cynical and just mean. Like she doesn't care anymore, you know, and she you buy it that she's become that. So I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, I, I'm glad that she had some importance for the end of the season, too, that it wasn't something that she, they just created and then they didn't use again. Because, of course, she plays a huge part in Face the Raven and then uh, as well in Hellbent. So it's a well 
done character and it helps create uh, an interesting through line and somebody that I was kind of interesting to see each time that they were on screen. So for me, that was that was one of the wins this season. There weren't a ton of wins during the regular season, but that was one of them. And uh, like you said, I, I'm very interested to see if they will bring her back because especially where she ends up uh, at the end of the season, um, it's uh, it's interesting. So um, <laughs> it, it's an interesting place to be, which I guess we should probably just jump into that because we haven't really talked about it at all. The season ends with, you know, Clara being dead, but not dead. So she's not quite dead, but she's dead. Um, she's basically just frozen in a moment before she died uh, by the Time Lords. And unless she goes back to Gallifrey and they basically unfreeze her from that moment, she'll kind of be alive, but not really alive. Um, and she ends up gallivanting around the universe with me in a TARDIS that looks like a, um, 50s diner, uh, and in, on the inside looks very much like the original, uh, Doctor Who TARDIS, which was pretty awesome, honestly. Uh, if that, if there was another win this season, it was seeing the almost original look for the TARDIS which I, I loved seeing that. So um, I don't know. What did you think? Because we bring Claire to the end. We give her this death and face the Raven where she has finally played the part of the doctor, but she has out-tricked herself and, you know, her life is taken from her. Except for not really. Right, exactly. And this, is, this is the problem I have with it. And, and this is why, this is my whole problem with, the fact that they use this trick so often is I'm just like, I want her to be dead, to be honest. And not beca- not even because I don't like the character. I don't dislike the character. I just don't have very strong feelings about her. It's because at some point there has to be consequences or I will not care. I mean, it started to become a joke how many times Rory died. But this season, like, Every single episode, for at least seven episodes, you had somebody who died or we thought they were going to die and came back. And it just, you just stop caring. Like, there's no stakes. There's, there's, yeah. And I mean, so they got, oh, they found a way to kill her and not kill her. Come on. No. <laughs> yeah go one way or the other. I mean, that's the whole point of the season or it should have been that. And that's something I liked is that she faced it. You know, the doctor is the one who couldn't let go and she faced it. And then he took her that away from her without her permission. And then he was going to take her memories also without her permission. And then in the end, she's kind of still alive Yeah, and and this the the frustrating part is too. I mean, you'd seen it before. I mean, he's gonna play the Donna trick on her, where he you know he takes her memories, uh, and then she's able to reverse that. And I think maybe what was a little bit frustrating is nobody 
has ever been able to outthink the doctor like this. And maybe that's what makes Clara the impossible girl is she can impossibly think out outthink the doctor. But it just it uh, for me it it fell really flat. Even the episode where she quote unquote dies and she faces the raven, I just I maybe I'm just cold hearted and I don't know, but I had no feeling about it whatsoever. And my wife turned to me and she was like, "That was lame." That was that's what she said. She like that was lame. That's how she's gonna go out. That's lame. And then we both knew she wasn't really dead because they have made it extremely clear that death means nothing in this world. And then BBC had ruined it by letting everybody know that basically she wasn't really gone because you saw promotion pictures of her all over the place for the last episode. So it was just, you know, as annoyed as people got with J.J. for not letting us see a lot of Star Wars uh, beforehand with The Force Awakens, you know, don't spoil the big spoils for us. You know, don't take that away from us, especially in a season like this where... Maybe if I didn't know Claire wasn't really dead and faced the Raven, I might have felt a little bit differently, but I I already know. So, yeah. Yeah, see, and I hadn't seen any of that. I didn't even know that she was gone for good. Like, I didn't know that this was her last season. I just haven't been paying very much attention to it, to be honest. So, but even then, I didn't care. And I didn't care because I knew without anybody having to tell me that they were going to take it back because they took back every single major death that they gave us. That's what I mean. Like, you can only pull that trick so many times. And it's not just this season. He's been doing this for years now. He starts an entire season with the doctor, quote unquote, dying and then takes it back. Mm hmm. And, I mean, even Amy and Rory, their death is not really a death. It's kind of a death. That one worked a lot better. But it's just that same thing, that same story over and over and over again. Where they undermine the importance of what's happening. Well, and it and it seemed more original, honestly, when you had it done with Donna. Because it, it was... You know, it was so heartbreaking, and, you know, the doctor's doing it to save her life, and all of those things, and, and here it's just, like you said, it's it's kind of rehashed storytelling, it's been happening too much on the show, and it's it's taking away what you said earlier, which stories need, they need consequences for actions, and yes, Doctor Who is a time travel story and everything like that, and it was interesting that even for the doctor, Clara's death was a constant. He couldn't really bring her back to life. Like, she's just fake alive because she doesn't have a heartbeat. Yeah, and but I mean, So what she's is not life? really alive. It, it's, it's like, what kind of half-life is she actually really living is what I want to know. <laughs> right, but I mean, how are we... How do you define life, I guess, is becomes the problem because... A shield is also in like a half life. She doesn't age. She can't die. But I, I mean, I don't even know. It, it really blurs the lines. And like, if you're walking and talking and having adventures, I call that alive. Whether or not you have a heartbeat. Uh, yeah. Um, 
but I guess the point of it with too is like if you don't have a heartbeat, your blood's not pumping. Can you actually feel anything? You know. Well, she was crying. Uh, so. Well, no, I mean, like, can you feel in your extremities? Um, <laughs> you know, like I'm saying, like, can you your hands? Can they feel things? If there's no blood pumping through them, it does does the rest of your body work the way it's supposed to? I don't know. That's just it raised a lot of interesting questions for me. It just seemed kind of you know like. Yeah, Ishilda has, um, you know, something that repairs her her body systems when as they break down and, and restores them, but she still has every single bodily function. She, you know, she is alive, you know, in, in every sense of the word. She just isn't able to remember everything. Clara, I just, it, it was just a weird thing, and it, it seems, it seems so cheap to the character. And yes, I understand that you spent all of this time making Clara the one who, quote unquote, is the doctor now almost. But do we really want that? Do I want another character out there who can just like somebody can be so good they can become the doctor? Like that doesn't make him special anymore. She also, you know, stole TARDIS and ran away with it. Yes, she did. Basically, she's the doctor. And I I. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me, and that's so unfortunate. So, because I like you said, I really like Jenna Coleman as an actress. I think she's really good, and some of the scenes that she's had throughout her seasons have been excellent. You know, uh, especially I think they had done a lot in the last season to kind of rehabilitate her character and make her more of a person. And then they took it all away this season. Like all the trappings of who she was, she had a relationship. She had she had uh, a job. We only saw her at her job for a moment this season, mm-hmm. and then Danny is dead. Like the only person we actually let stay dead, and um, yeah. So they like gave her a life and then took it away. Uh, yeah, and 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 they 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 took away her life and gave her this weird doctor half-life you know um and i don't i don't know i just i i feel like the whole thing in the end needed more of what we were talking about earlier is that you needed this and and this is the problem i have with clara from the very beginning is clara was a trope a, a token a thing she was never a real character she's always been a storytelling device Instead of somebody you really care about. You know what I'm saying? Like, first Mm -hmm. she's the impossible girl, and, you know, then they kind of explain that. But you still, I mean, even my wife said, you know, in in that episode, in the beginning, the witch is familiar, uh, where she's in the Dalek. My wife was like, oh, they're finally going to explain how she was in the Dalek and why she was there. But then, no, they don't. Well, that's because, and this is more of the the overall flaws is they don't their mythology doesn't even hold up to itself because it's so overly complicated that you can't keep track of it mm-hmm. um and then they do things for the spectacle but then never tie them off yeah for instance clara and ashilda are apparently in a tardis somewhere are they ever going to come back are they really going to go to Gallifrey? Is she really going to die? I mean, they don't actually tell us. It's just left up in the air. And I would be shocked 
if they ever actually ended that story. Well, and and that's what was strange for me, too, because uh, as we talked about wanting to maybe see Maisie Williams' character again, how do you do that without bringing Jenna Coleman back? Because they're inextricably linked now. Like, they're they're riding around the galaxy together. And so how do you not have them together next time? And and you have to come up with all these clever ways if you do bring uh, me back by uh, talking about you know, why Clara isn't there. It just, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. So, hey, Andy, you want to talk about something that was really fun and really good? Yes, please. Let's talk about the Christmas special. It was, okay, so you know how earlier we were talking about how there was a lack of joy? I feel like they took all of the joy (laughs) and put it in one episode. Yes, they did. And you know why? Because <laughs> River's back. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, the 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 fun was here for the first time. I mean, just the running around and doing silly things and all of the joking. And, oh, my goodness, they have never had better chemistry. <laughs> I mean, oh, I saw so we got to see River Song play against two other doctors, but I have to say, her and Twelve, they play off each other so well; it's not mm-hmm. even funny. Well, and 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 what I love about this is that you know so many people have had obviously problems with River Song ending up being you know Amy and Rory's daughter, and she married the doctor, and all of this. And what I loved is that they. They brought the story full circle and told a great, fun, amazing Doctor Who adventure, but they brought to a close the story of River and the Doctor in a way that was so wonderfully done. And so, I I have to say, it was romantic and sweet and cute and funny and adorable and... I mean, it was kind of everything that you wanted. And I feel like for all those people who may have not liked her character and been frustrated with the convoluted nature of who she was and all that, this really, I think, brought back kind of the heart of River, especially the first time you met her and who you kind of knew she would become uh, when she met Ten. Uh, And this does such a great job for setting up wanting to go back to the library episodes now. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's where the, her story ends. And then that makes so much sense. I mean, they're just connecting all these dots in a beautiful, wonderful way that they haven't been doing for two seasons that we were just complaining about. But this is, this is wonderful. Doctor who, I mean, I'm compelled to want to go back and watch old stories because and now I have an even better understanding of it because of what you wrote. This is where I know that Moffat can be a genius still. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have numerous complaints, and I've articulated many of them in the last hour, about Stephen Moffat as a writer in general. But he has written some of the best, most enduring Doctor Who episodes of all time, and he will always be the person that did that. Um, I personally just, I have, I have issues with River Song and her characterization and, um, 
I don't know, just some of the ways that they used her as a character occasionally. But in this particular episode, it works so well, and they work so well together. And it's just fun to watch. Like, you are enjoying yourself and laughing and not quite sure what's going to happen next, but sure, it's going to be awesome. And that's what I want out of my Doctor Who. And and I have to say, you know, the the last time that we had a Christmas special that was just so utterly enjoyable and incredible was probably I think the end of time with uh you know Tenet um I mean Christmas Carol is good with Amy and Rory and and, uh 11 but you know end of time was just I mean that's one of the hands-down best Doctor Who episodes ever as you know David Tenet leaves and and 11 comes um but Wow, 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 wow. This is probably, I mean, next to that, this is my favorite Christmas special that they've done in years. Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite one is um, The Christmas Invasion. Uh, I still think that that's my favorite. I also really love A Christmas Carol. Um, But this is definitely up there with the best. Um, it's self-contained, but it fits with the overall arc. It's just really well done. And so funny. I mean, I was just laughing throughout the whole episode. But then also, you get these amazing, just heartbreaking moments. Uh, when she's talking about how the doctor doesn't love her and the look mm. on his face. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get better than that. I mean, that's emotional payoff right there. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about when we want to see some emotional stakes. Yeah. I mean, like, when when he says to her, hello, sweetie, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it just tugs at the heartstrings. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. Um, you know, so I love that the doctor is, is using her line, you know, and it works so so well um and what i love too is that they do answer the question of whether or not the doctor really does love river and it's pretty clear that he loves her a lot um and i love that you know at the end of this episode they get the wonderful opportunity to be there for 29 years you know, together, uh, and that they get that amount of time um, that we always kind of heard about them having. But, you know, that's, uh, it's really beautiful. I just, I cannot say enough good things about this episode and how much I, in fact, I kind of want to just go watch it right now. Um, it's, it's that enjoyable. And then he gives her the screwdriver, too. I mean... I love, I just love it. I love it. Yeah, um, the highlight for me is finding out that his nickname is Damsel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I loved that. Oh, gosh. Um, well, and, and what I think, what made this so great is that this episode has that, like we were talking about, that joyous silliness to it mm-hmm. um, that I feel like, 
Capaldi hasn't gotten to have. Uh, and it was something that they did so well in the Tenet and the and the Smith years. Smith got a little bit too silly, but this was a great combination of the best of Tenet and Smith in that kind of goofiness mm-hmm. uh, that we just haven't seen in a while. And I I was just so pleased uh, with with everything that they were doing. And I I, I wish that they could have sprinkled just more of this throughout. Everything Capaldi's had for the last two years. Um, it's really a waste because uh, Peter Capaldi has just epic comedic timing. And yeah, if, he does. If, if Doctor Who is the only thing you've seen Peter Capaldi in, uh, drop everything and start looking up some of his, his other uh, work because he's a great actor and he's hysterically, hysterically funny. Um, and he's he's done some really great comedy work as well. So I would love to see more, more humor from him because he does do the drama and the sadness quite well. Um, but he's just, I mean, if you haven't seen the thick of it, go and see the thick of it. Stop everything, drop everything, and go watch it. Because um, hmm. he's just, he's so funny. He is so funny. And you get to see moments of that throughout the rest of his Doctor. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of moments like when he challenges a fight with a spoon, like stuff like that. Yes, he's, yes. He can be very funny, but we don't get to see it as often as I would like. Hmm. No, I completely agree. And And I mean... Uh, best part about this episode, uh, he is using his brand new sonic screwdriver that is TARDIS blue. Uh, hopefully we will never see the sonic sunglasses again, uh, (laughs) because those just do not work for the show. Uh, it just, uh, just doesn't work. (laughs) I understand you're trying to shake things up and you're trying to be, uh, creative. Um, but there's something about the doctor and a sonic screwdriver and, you know, I, I I love that that was back, and 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 it I just everything for me personally about the husbands of Rizzer song was enjoyable and it worked. And uh, what it made me hopeful for is that we will get to have more of this style for Capaldi in what could be his last season coming up with uh, season ten. So, um, and I mean, hopefully, I mean, you know, you're getting a new companion, you're breaking them in. Um, Hopefully we've learned some of the lessons from what not to do with Clara. Uh, And, you know, Moffat gave us uh, my favorite companion, Amy. So let's bring a companion like that back uh, to the doctor. I'd love it if we could have a... uh non-human oh that might be kind of cool yeah mm-hmm. um they've they've fallen into having pretty young woman uh far too often i would like to see something different i liked having amy and rory together yes yes um i liked jack harkness yep yep um i just like a little more variety por favor and that would be helpful it would be helpful if we didn't get young woman from <laughs> current london um again yeah and i mean that's where a lot of people were thinking uh, 
you know, at the beginning of the season and uh, and then as it kind of went through with Maisie Williams' character, was she going to be the new companion, you know, and then they've kind of put the kibosh on that with the way they went with the storyline. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, my guess is because of TV marketing, it will be probably another cute girl just because that's unfortunately how TV works. And you want a certain demographic to come in and watch the show. But at the same time, I would hope that they would just do something like you did with like an Amy and the Rory or you have an alien as well there so that it's not about any kind of, you know, obviously love relationship between the Doctor and the Companion. Um, and I think an interesting, like you said, like an alien and a girl, that's that's fine. You know, you create an interesting dynamic. Uh, it's just something different, something new. Or we can get a um, female doctor and her young man companion. It's fine with me. That's, I would be <laughs> totally, I mean, let's get, uh, you know, Haley Atwell in there to play the doctor or something. Um, I'm all about that. Um, you know, it, yeah, can we, maybe we can, uh, maybe us guys can finally have the hot doctor, you know? Uh, you girls have had David Tennant and, and, uh, Matt Smith. So I think it's, it's our turn, um, to, to have the hot doctor. So I'm all for that. Who knows? Uh, you know, I, I hope it's a good season, especially, and I hope this on Peter Capaldi's half, I hope it's a great last season for him, especially since most likely it probably will be, you know, his last season. So I, I want him to go out and with a bang and I want people to really, have a season that makes us love him like so much so that we are bawling when he leaves, you know, um, make that happen. So he deserves it. Well, I got to say, uh, you know, it's always fun to, to begin the year off on the 602 club talking about Dr. Who. And, and I, you know, I really appreciate Andy being here. I, I think we tried to be as positive as we could where we could. Um, but we had to be honest too. And I love that we got to end with talking about the Christmas special because, well, it was the best thing on Doctor Who in the last two years, if you ask me. So I'm I'm glad that that was the case. Uh, I want to say thank you to our associate producers through Patreon, Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson. I appreciate these guys so much uh, and them helping us out through Patreon. Um, we are a listener-supported network, and that means that we need your help to keep this show and all the shows on the network coming to you each and every week uh it's a huge year for us on the network here at trek fm obviously with the 50th anniversary we have the massive rewatch show that we're doing for you every day of the working week there's a brand new podcast for you going through each and every single episode of star trek it's an inc- yeah, I'm pretty excited. I get to do some of the animated series and the original yeah. series in a, in a couple months. Right now they're doing Enterprise, so I can't participate, but I uh, have signed up for some of those. I'm pretty excited. About yeah, them. I am too. I, I'm excited. I've got a couple of spots there uh, later on in the year. I think I'm going to be talking about uh, some Deep Space Nine and then actually some Deep Space Nine and Voyager. So uh, a little bit different for me. I, I'm really excited to do this. And uh we need your help through patreon.com slash trekfm to make sure that all of this content keeps coming to you 
and to do it in the way that we do it with the best quality that we can make it uh, sound wise and everything else and and to try and keep it as ad free as possible for you guys so you just get to listen to great content so go to patreon.com slash trek fm and see how you can be part of the team uh andy this is so much fun i'm so glad we're kicking off the year in the 602 club right with doctor who it, we've got an amazing year coming up. We're going to be covering things from uh, Marvel, DC. Uh, we're going to be covering Harry things. Potter. Harry Potter. We're going to be covering Lord of the Rings. We're going to cover some more Bond. We're going to cover all sorts of incredible. We're going to go old school. We're going to go like Dune and things like that. I, I promise I'm going to. Behind the scenes, like all the hosts are fighting over who gets to talk about That Harry is Potter. true. That is actually happening. <laughs> There's going to be like a cage fight. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have some people on shows that you've never heard on the 602 Club coming up. Um, Charlene Schmidt is going to be on the show soon. Uh, talking about. Yeah. So, uh, we're, and I'm trying to mix it up too. And I'm trying to be very good about. Um, doing a little bit better about trying to get as as many different hosts from different places to talk about as many different things as possible for you guys to continue to make this show as interesting as possible so i'm so excited i'm i'm glad we got a chance to do this andy and and make sure let everyone know where they can find you online and on the network um and how they can contact you about uh, maybe their doctor who love or anything revolving around the network or the show you do or or your own rewatch of star trek Sure. Um, the On the network, you can find me as a co-host of Women at War, where four women talk about uh, women on Star Trek. You can also find me on Twitter, at First Time Trek, where I am live tweeting my first time watching Star Trek. I am at DS9 now, and I've fallen off the wagon again, but I promise I will be getting back to watching it this weekend. I have planned. Um, uh, yeah, that's the easiest way to find me, Twitter. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you'll definitely be back throughout this year. I know that we're going to get you at least on one of the Harry Potter episodes. Plus, we've got, I mean, honestly, guys, yeah, we got Marvel coming up for you guys, too. Um, I, I just heard when they're going to be releasing uh, the second season of Daredevil coming up in uh, March. So we'll talk about that. I mean, there's just so much going on. So. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, you can do that on Twitter at MattRushing02. Um, I'm on Instagram at MRushing. You can find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where I talk about Deep Space Nine exclusively. That's our Deep Space Nine con- podcast here on Trek FM. I do Literary Treks with Dan, where we talk about the books and the comics of Star Trek. We interview the authors. It's so much fun, so make sure you check that out. And then I do have my own personal blog at 42alifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Welcome, everyone, to... Oh. Yep, out of practice.